1: Hey Johnny DeConis here from the Hartford with my co-host Gene Marks, and welcome back to the Hartford Small Biz Ahead Podcast. On today's episode, we are talking all things online retail. You know, I think we've all noticed over the past, what I feel like I keep saying a couple of weeks, but let's be real world, we've been in, in this new world since March, it's, you know, half a year. Um, we've noticed everything moving online from, you know, brick and mortar stores trying to launch online e-commerce commerce platforms. You know, we've seen gyms bring personal training into the virtual. We've seen, you know, restaurants turn into food delivery services and kind of, you know, make your own box type services. Um, and anything that could be digitized from, you know, a, a service interaction or a sales meeting, even to tarot card readings um, can now be done digitally. So we wanted to kind of poke around that and get underneath it and, and think about the things that we should think about if we're considering bringing our businesses online so with that gene how you doing doing good john doing good how about yourself doing well thanks you know it's um we're we're halfway through the year more than halfway through the year and it it feels like it just it's like a non-stop train you know
0: it just continues to go on and thank god for netflix that's all i can say
1: i've been on the youtube train lately and i found a creator who does all these true crime stories which is really interesting because she's um her name is bailey sarian and she actually does it and she she's like a makeup youtuber but she also is interested in true crime and every monday you just get to hear this person who talks to you like they're your best friend giving you the background on on some really interesting um kind of stories of our time it's a fun way to kill a few hours.
0: That is, and I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts. I've gotten into this podcast um, called Reply All. Uh, do you, I don't know if you've ever
1: listened. To that. I do. I listen to that one. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's just great. And uh, I, don't, I just heard. I just listened to for the second time. They have a two-parter called Long Distance, where they get involved with an like a, an India-based scammer, and um, they eventually go to India to try and find him. I don't know if you've heard that episode or not. It's two parts. It's amazing. And I just those guys are so great
1: on Reply All. Awesome, yeah. No, I think there's a, there's a lot of podcasts popping up, and yeah, um, it's it's interesting even to see how some of the audio platforms are starting to really build out that part of kind of their their library. Um, I'm a big fan of a lot of the Spotify originals, yeah. And it just feels like every day there's there's good content being put online. So um, so definitely enjoying that, you know, as as we take our daily drives to get coffee. <laughs> True. Awesome. All right. So I guess just jumping right in. So Gene, you are a small business owner. You sell services as a, you know, as kind of your, your jam uh, yeah. CRM products. And, you know, I think you're probably well immersed in what people think about when they think about kind of managing relationships online. But um, what do you think the first things a business or, or decision maker should kind of consider as they, you know, start to think about an online selling platform?
0: First of all, I I think the most important thing, John, is um, to to really be real with yourself as to whether or not you can sell your products online. If you're selling dental products and toothbrushes and toothpaste, I don't think you're going to do very well with a booth at a carnival, you know? And in our case, like my company, we, like you just said, we do primarily technology services, And, you know, people don't buy technology services online. They buy books and food and, you know, you know, outdoor, you know, you know, equipment and beach chairs online, Um, but not my stuff. And so I think a lot of B2B companies, you know, they kind of they kind of say that they feel like themselves like, oh, my God, I got to be online. I got to be online because that's what everybody's doing. But um, I I think you got to say to yourself, like, is that just the right channel for me? Is it is it? Is it worthwhile investing um, time and effort to be there? But if it is, and if you think you do have a product to be selling online, then I think there's more opportunities ever um, to do just that. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I think there's different ways, right? So I think that there's people who have products where they're looking for an online kind of commerce platform. So something like a like a Shopify where they can just set up a store. Um, but I think there's also people who are, you know, thinking about how can they sell their services or maybe activate memberships online, which are kind of interesting. Um, and I think those those cases are really probably um, solutions you'd have to think about dependent on the specific person's business, not even their business model, but their actual business and their customer base. Um, but when we think about kind of the the e-commerce platforms, because that's probably what most people are, are kind of considering when they have this question, um, what are some of the recommended tools that you would you know, suggest someone look into or consider as they're thinking about maybe making that transition to a, to an online sales environment.
0: So I've got, I've got a bunch. Um, say you've got the point where you're like, you know what, we, we can build an e-commerce business. We can sell stuff online. So let's, you know, let's do that. So you, you want to have the right tools that do that. Now, some of the biggest names out there, and I know John, you know, these are, you know, Shopify, uh, big commerce is another one, Magento, Um, Those are like sort of the top three e-commerce, standalone e-commerce tools that are available. And the reason why I love all three of those products, there's slight differences between the three, but uh, they they, they do a few things really, really well. For starters, that's all they focus on. So they're not like an add-on module to an existing accounting application, for example, which is the way things were a few years ago. And there you just got sort of a half-baked solution. I mean, this is all they do. Um, and and they, they integrate really well. So I have a lot of clients that are in the retail business, or they're selling to consumers. They've got a shop, they've got a store, they've got a, a produce stand, and and people come and buy stuff in their store, but then they also want to buy stuff online. And what Shopify, what what Big Commerce, what Magento, Ravel is another one. Uh, Square is another those those applications themselves will set you up with not only a point-of-sale system for your brick-and-mortar location, but then also have an online system, and they speak to each other. So if you run out of apples in your store and somebody goes online and tries to buy an apple, they're going to show that you don't have any apples in inventory, and that's good because, therefore, you don't want to sell something to somebody that they don't have. So you absolutely want to look. The then the other thing that I really like about those The the standalone e-commerce platforms is that they they have built in templates and tools, not only to design your site, but also to get yourself up and running with all the stuff, the the, the gateway services, the payment providers, the authorization services that you're going to need. You know, there's a lot of different parties that are involved in this. And if you get, you know, if you go with a standalone, you know, well-known e-commerce provider, um, you will find that they, you know, they've already got partnerships with all these different providers so that it's very easy to set up. If you're not crazy about the ones that I've just mentioned, um, you know, if you've got QuickBooks, for example, and so many people do have QuickBooks, go to Intuit's Marketplace, for example, um if you've got a Sage product, go to Sage's marketplace. These companies, they have marketplaces of of many third-party e-commerce products that might be more suited to your business or or and certainly integrate with your accounting system. So those are other options that you could try. So that's those are all you know some good tools to consider. One other tool I have to mention, John, as well is um it has to do with taxes, and I'm uh, sorry to bore you because I know I'm an accountant here. But because of a big decision that was made a couple years ago, it's called the Wayfair decision. Um, there's a giant tax headache for anybody that's selling online. Basically, that decision allowed that you know if you can, if you're selling to different states or even to different jurisdictions, those states may very well have the right to collect uh, sales taxes from you. Um so your responsibility is to get sales tax from your customers and then remit them to the state the county the 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 you know the city the town I mean there's just thousands and thousands of taxing jurisdictions out there. And so many of them are, are they're so unfunded, they're desperate for money, and they're going after a lot of e-commerce businesses. And it could be a huge liability for you and a huge headache. So of course, there's some services that have popped up that that take care of that kind of stuff. One great one is Avalara. So it's a A-V-A-L-A-R-A, Avalara. And the other one is Vertex. Um, those are the two big names in sales tax compliance software for your e-commerce site. And they'll take care of it all for you. I mean, you pay the fee, but they make sure that you're collecting sales tax where you need to. They take care of all the filings. Uh, they take care of all of the you know, the remittances and the payments. And I think it's a, it's an absolutely required tool that you've got sales tax compliance software to go along with your e-commerce software as
1: well. That's interesting because I think, you know, that's kind of the, the next step, right? So you decide you want to sell them, then what does that do to your business model and, and even kind of to your risk exposure, right? Because you might want to think about um, what are you now liable for in terms of packaging or something that's lost and how do you distribute it? So that tax one, though, that's a really interesting one because that wouldn't have been something I would have thought of. And I, I think most people don't, right? They think about the, the place they do business as the place they pay taxes. So that's that's a good thing to kind of have on the radar because and by the way each
0: yeah each state and county they have they call it nexus which whether or not you have a presence in that state and guy and the rules vary depending on where you are and again some of these collectors can be pretty aggressive because like i said they got budgets that they got to meet and right. i i know there's one guy in philly where i live a client of mine Who, you know, I don't know, sold half a million dollars of products in various states around the country last year and then just got hit with these whopping sales tax bills that he wasn't even expecting. And he didn't collect the money from his customers. So good luck going back to them. It's liability, (laughs) right? right?
1: Yeah, I know, it's true. And that's a good thing to prepare for.
0: This podcast is brought to you by The Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, The Hartford strikes back for over 1 million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out the Hartford Small Business Insurance at thehartford.com.
1: You know, and I think outside of of things like that, So, say you're a a business and you're like, okay, well, this feels like a lot. And I just I don't really want to do that because I don't want to do a lot right now. Um, What about things that are a little bit more plug and play? So think, you know, like like an Etsy or an Amazon. Where it's more like a marketplace type, you know, site. Um, what are the pros and cons of of, you know activating online in an in an instance like that?
0: So first of all, I think um, I don't I don't agree that it's it's plug and play. And and by the way, that perception is very, very common. I mean, a lot of people are like, hey man, I'll just set up an Amazon store and I'll make my millions there, you know, or I'll just sell something on Etsy and you know, whatever. Well listen. You know, you know, Amazon is a million small businesses, literally a million, more than a million just in this country alone that sell on Amazon. I mean, there used to be a time where all these people were on main streets. You would walk down Seventh Avenue and see all the shops. They're all gone and replaced by yogurt places and nail salons. And everybody has retreated back into their apartments and homes and they're selling on Amazon. So there's a lot of competition out there. And Amazon itself, just to use them as an example, they're the world's biggest marketplace. And to succeed on there is is you really have an opportunity to reach customers all around the world, but it is it's cutthroat and it's ruthless and it's really really hard. So if you're gonna you know if you're gonna want to sell on Amazon, if if I like my products don't sell on Amazon, but if I was gonna sell on Amazon, I would have a pretty substantial budget um, uh, where I'm gonna be hiring somebody, uh, probably somebody from my company who's going to own my Amazon merchant site, which, and that it is like a full-time job because you're, you're listing your products, you're updating your products. You've got to engage with your community. You've got to answer questions from, from buyers. You've got to respond to complaints. And by the way, if you don't do this stuff, Amazon punishes you greatly, you know, and you'll never, you're never going to be found on Amazon or selling anything. And oh, by the way, then Amazon, what they do is depending on how much you're selling or how much money you want to spend on advertising, you know, they, elevate you or they demote you um so you you, your products get shown or they don't get shown and when you think about searching for stuff on amazon think about it john you go to buy like i went to just buy like a a beach chair this past week you know and this is a beach chair is being sold but i'm buying the ones that are like the best sellers or the ones that are being promoted by amazon they're on the top of the list like google so that, that doesn't just happen automatically i mean you got to put in a lot of work and have a really good site and you know play by the rules and you know if you're a business owner like me man like I don't have the time to do all that stuff I'm going to I would have to hire somebody to do all that for me and I'm not saying it's not a you know that, that's that, that's not something that I wouldn't want to do I'm just saying it's 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 a cost that I have to build into the process so long answer to a short question but you know to succeed on Amazon Yes, there's great opportunities that are out there, but you have got to be prepared to make a lot of effort, time and money. And Amazon is not alone. It's the same thing if you're on Etsy. And do you know how many people are making masks now that's selling on Etsy? I mean, you know, for somebody to find you, you could be making the best mask in the world. But it's like if you build it, will they still come. You still have to have a really great Etsy site and you have to elevate yourself in prominence on that platform, and that takes time and effort and some advertising money. eBay is the same way. Alibaba is the same way. All of those marketplaces are great, but you really have to make an investment.
1: Right. And I think that's kind of, you know, that's the, the catch-22, right? So it's either going to be time or money, but you're, you're really setting up a new distribution channel you know, to your point, the audience is there in some of these more marketplace environments, but you have to kind of learn and master their algorithm. And you probably still have to pay to advertise, right? I think when you think about the more standalone things where they're part of your environment, you you trade off that reach of new customers, because it's probably people who are familiar with you. And then you you're relying more on things like, you know, whether it's SEO or advertising or other types of promotion to kind of get your name and product out there. You know, I think that's kind of a pivot to the next question. It's like, what is the best way to to kind of promote your your wares online? And and when you think about that, like what role does social media play? So if it's someone who doesn't have a huge marketing budget, you know, do you think social's enough to to kind of get the word out or or is it really that? intersection of time money and platform that you you kind of have to invest in all three
0: it's going to take some investment regardless um i I don't think adwords is the way to go because i think that's just trying to attract people to your your site as well and i forget what the statistic is i read recently that you know when people you know some huge amount 80 percent of people when they look to buy something they don't even go to google anymore they just go to amazon and I know I do I mean I don't know if the same with you. you know I need a fly swatter I just go to Amazon and I just you know, and I just buy it so you know your promotional dollars and effort has got to be spent on that platform but but John you were right about the you know, social media there's there's definitely some opportunities there and that is sort of some of it is uncharted territory which is an opportunity for a lot of businesses um, Instagram is just getting they just over the past year or two have been introducing new tools to sell stuff right off of your Instagram account. Um the same obviously Facebook has been doing that for a while. Snapchat is getting into that as well. So is TikTok. It depends on your audience. I mean, you know, if, if you're trying to attract a, you know, a 14-year-old middle school kid, uh maybe TikTok is the place that you want to be uh, with some advertising and promotion and then using some of their tools uh, for people to just click on something to buy. Um, but the social media sites like those um, are providing this way to kind of get around the Amazon monopoly, if you want to call it, and, and try and sell something on your own to drive people right back to your e-commerce site on your website and have people just buy right from you. Um, and that might be the place to go, but it, it, it all depends on where your audience is. And, you know, if you're each of these, you know, Instagram, your TikTok, Snapchat, uh, you know, all of these have their own demographics, and if you feel that your demographic is on one of those platforms, then it really might make a lot of sense for you to start up a presence there, build in a lot of content, and then get some advertising and promotion, and then using some of their selling tools so that you can drive people back to your website to buy your product.
1: I think you're right. You know, I think that a lot of it has to do with not only making sure there are available but making sure people can find them um which i think is where people you know can can get a little bit lost you know it's 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 tough because the internet's such a big space and i think it feels so blue sky to folks and it's true like the, the possibilities are endless right you can de- definitely find your market um once you get to know them you can really kind of get in front of them but it, it does take a little bit of time to do that and it's not necessarily an overnight solve unless you have a, a highly engaged audience and and you know, can kind of leverage that to to sell you out quickly.
0: You know, you and I, you know, John, we should get somebody on from Amazon onto this podcast and talk about Alexa as well, because I mean, if it's not Alexa, then we can talk, you know, somebody from Apple to talk about Siri. I mean, I, we all know, this is not like a rumor, you know, we're sitting around talking about, you know, fly swatters in our house and i've got an alexa and then all of a sudden i'm on facebook and i'm getting advertisements for flyswatters you know, know. <laughs> that is not a coincidence something is absolutely going on there and i think that um my question is how did the flyswatter company know that like how wh- wh- where did they go so that their ads are showing up on my facebook feed because i was talking about flyswatters in front of alexa you know what i mean and um that would be i think that is going to be another much growing opportunity and by the way i have no problem with that some people think it's a privacy concern um john you can listen on the conversations uh that's going on in my house all the time trust me you'll be asleep in 10 minutes (laughs) but 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 if i'm talking about fly swatters like oh we could really use a fly swatter and then suddenly i'm getting some ads on discounted fly swatters on facebook i'm like hey man bring me some more i'll buy some of those you know so i think it's not funny
1: yeah, I, so I I don't have a like a smart speaker at home or kind of a connected device like that, so I've never firsthand experienced it, right? I have my iPhone, but I've never really recognized something I said um, or I haven't actively searched for it, you know? um come up in any kind of interest based advertising. But it would be interesting to learn if that's, you know, a, a true thing or if it's picking up on other cues, or maybe, you know, just because of our behavior, um, you know, analytics are that good to say, hey, if you do A, B, and C, you might be looking for fly swatters too. Um I'm telling
0: but, you yeah. I did not search for fly swatters on <laughs> Google. Well, yeah. You're no, I'm thinking
1: about it <laughs> like directional, you know, maybe there's two or three other things that you did that tells the algorithm that people like this also are gonna look for a fly swatter next. A couple of years ago, a big box retailer had um gotten really good at their data and an audience segmentation, and they were mailing someone who um who they determined was likely to to be welcoming a child soon. Um, you know, she starts getting kind of, marketing material designed for for folks who are pregnant or about to kind of take home a child and turns out she actually was pregnant and, and you know the the data suggested that she might be before she ever told anyone um which is crazy how directional it can be and and kind of the power of of you know what big data can can tell folks about each other so. So, awesome. All right. Well, Gene, I think those were, were good tips. You know, I think it's picking the right platform, uh, making sure you have the the human capital and, and a little bit of financial capital to put behind making a, a promotion plan work and really kind of taking the time to investigate all the 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 associated decisions that you're gonna have to make and kind of responsibilities you're gonna take on when you decide to go online. So um, so thank you again for the time and, you know, everyone out there, thanks for listening. Uh, this again was Johnny Deconis and Jean Marks, and we hope you enjoyed this small biz ahead podcast and we'll catch you on the next one.